For a lot of years, I loved to read when there were newspapers, the, um, the funny pages, the comics, we called them. And one of my favorites was Charlie Brown. And I think the reason for that is that I can relate to him. I love Charlie Brown. And there's this, this one that I never forgot. And I want you to follow along with this. There's different scenes here. But the, in the first one, Linus, remember Linus is the one with the uh, blanket and he sucks his thumb. And, but he's very thoughtful. And he is writing something. In the next frame, he goes up to his sister Lucy and says, Lucy, read this. It's a comic strip, and I want you to tell me if you think it's funny. In the next frame, Lucy is reading it. She's stomping her foot. She's smiling, and she looks at, at Linus, and she said, who wrote this? Next frame, Linus says, well, Lucy, I wrote it. The next frame, she has a disgusted look on her face. She's wadded up the comic strip. And she says, this wasn't funny at all. Then in the next frame, Linus says this. Older sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? Older sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. And now, I, don't, I didn't have an older sister growing up. I didn't have a sister growing up, but... I, I've always remembered that line because I remember reading that as a, as a young adult and thinking, I don't want to be the crabgrass in anybody's lawn. And yet, I think we tend to do that. Maybe purposely, like Lucy, or maybe just not being thoughtful. We have the power, friends, to encourage, to empower or to discourage and disempower one another. We have the power to encourage and bless and empower the next generation. We have the power to discourage and to disempower the next generation. I don't want to be the crabgrass in the life of another person. We're in a series that we're calling Authentic Relationships. This morning, we're closing out that series. Now, we're going to revisit it down the road because, as I mentioned to you, there are 59 one-anothering statements in the New Testament. These statements are basically, this is how you are to treat one another. This is how you are to live among one another. This is how you are to love one another. And I hope what you have been seeing is that the picture that God gives us to dictate the way we live among one another is dramatically different from the way that the world encourages us to live among one another. And so what happens to us, we grow up in a world and what hap happens is we are transformed by the world more than we are transformed by the word of God. We are driven by the world's values more than we are driven by God's values, and often it's just because we don't understand the difference. There is a dramatic difference from the way the world models love and the biblical call to love one another. 
And in our relationships with each other, this is how we should love, the way that God loves us. Your relationships in your home, this is how you love, the way that God loves you. Imagine if we could just do that in our homes, if we could just do that in our churches. Imagine the impact that could make in our community and world. The world hungers for what God has already given to us. We just need to live it out. This morning, we're going to talk about the challenge to encourage one another. We're going to talk about what it means to encourage one another, and then how we do that. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 4, and I'm going to read through verse 11. Now, it's very interesting because Paul's going to be talking about the return of Jesus and what that means for us as we live our lives. And then at the end, he's going to say, therefore, therefore, because of what I've just said, encourage one another. Now listen to what it says. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day, the return of Jesus, should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we belong to Jesus, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the, love, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Well, let, I want to begin by giving you a definition of encouragement. But it begins with this verse here. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in, as in fact you are doing. Then here's how I want to define encouragement. This is the biblical understanding of encouragement. And I hope it expands your understanding this morning. It means this, to inspire others to reach their full potential. Now, I'm not talking about psychology here. Your full potential is what Christ has created you to do and to be. That's your full potential. I'm not talking about some kind of psychological or uh, some other kind of form of potential. I'm talking about your God-given purpose. So hear it again. Inspiring others to reach their full potential by challenging, by comforting, and by strengthening them in such a way that they are motivated, they are empowered, they are, ex they are strengthened to grow in Christ, to become everything that Christ has created them to be and called them to be. This is what encouragement looks like. This is what biblical encouragement is. We think encouragement means just making people feel better about themselves. That's not encouragement. Encouragement is strengthening and empowering people to accomplish and achieve 
their God-given purpose. Now, encouragement is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but everybody is called to encourage. Consistently over my life, my top spiritual gift has been the gift of encouragement. And I do that through the Word of God, and we'll see that in just a moment. But that is, my, that is how God created me. He's, it's what he, the gift he gave me when I came to faith. This is his call upon my life. But to encourage is the call upon the life of every believer. We are to live this way with our children, with our siblings, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are to empower and strengthen one another to become all that God has created us to be. Now, we're going to see here that this reflects the heart of God himself. Here's just one example in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. We see it, though, throughout Scripture, where God is the one who encourages his people. God is the one who inspires, who empowers his people to live the life they were created to live. And now he has given us that mantle in our relationships with each other. Paul writes, I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, let me explain it, Paul's saying, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So the Lord uses us and he ministers to us to bring encouragement to the lives of one another. I've often heard people say, oh, we had fellowship, we had coffee together, right? We had, uh, we did ministry, we experienced community, small group together. Friends, maybe there are times I've known where I've just been present with someone, but I haven't been biblically present with them. I mean, we have talked about life and such, but we weren't encouraging one another in the way that the Bible calls us to encourage one another. And so I want to give you a picture of this this morning. I want you to see what it is that Paul is talking about when he says, therefore, encourage one another. Here we see um, this reflection of the heart of God. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this again. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Have you known the encouragement of God? Have you experienced the endurance that comes through relationship with the Lord? Have you had those moments when you were discouraged and, and God through a Bible verse or God through a passage of reading of scripture or the Lord through somebody else or the Lord just by his spirit present in you, he just brings endurance and strength and encouragement to you at a time when you really needed that. It is the nature of God to encourage his people. You see it from Genesis to Revelation. It is the heart of God. And he wants us then to do that for each other, that we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, let's look at what, how we live encouragement out in our relationships with each other. Number one, challenging one another with God's truth. Three times the word encouragement is mentioned in 1 Thessalonians. Twice Paul mentions it after talking about the return of Christ. He says almost the same words, therefore encourage one another. Now, what does he mean by that? He's saying, remind each other that Jesus is coming back. Remind each other that we are not to be sleeping, but we are to be alert and sober and aware and awake. We are to be children of the day, not children of the night. We are to be prepared for his return. Therefore, encourage one another. Remind each other Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. Jesus is coming back. We need to be prepared. Jesus is coming back. Let's not be asleep. Listen to what the verse, the passage that we read says. It says, but since we belong to the day. Now he's talking here about the difference between believers and non-believers. He's saying that Christians belong to the day, to the light. They see the truth. They see what is real. And it's those who don't know Jesus that belong to the night. He says, but since we together, we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. In other words, let's be ready. Let's be ready. He goes on to say, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, thank you. We who believe in Jesus will not experience the wrath of God. We will experience salvation. He died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, let us encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now, that word encourage is a word that literally can be translated as exhort. Now, to exhort is to strongly encourage it means to urge people you see here's what it here's what Paul's saying Jesus is coming back remind each other of that truth because all of us find times in our lives when we're just kind of falling into temptation we're just kind of walking away from the Lord in those moments we encourage one another by exhorting one another to by reminding each other Jesus is coming back we need to be sober and alert do not fall asleep. Be sober. Be alert. Be prepared. Jesus is coming back. And so we use the word of God to speak into the lives of one another. We use the word of God to remind each other what is true, what is real, what is genuine. And I know this is not easy to do. What is it about when we're children we're so used to being corrected that we receive it, but as we get to be adults, we feel like nobody has a right to speak into our lives. Nobody has a right to challenge us. That should not be. We are all sinners in need of brothers and sisters who love us enough to exhort us, to encourage us, to live a life that is marked by soberness and being alert to the reality of the life that God has called us to live. It's incredibly powerful. 
You see, we are to encourage each other by reminding each other of what is true. That can't happen one day a week on a Sunday morning. That has to happen on a regular basis. We all need that. We need people in our lives that know God's word, that know the truth, and are willing to love us enough to exhort us, to encourage us to live the life that we were called to live. You see, in the world, encouragement means tickling people's ears, telling them what they want to hear. But biblically, it's calling us to a life that is greater than the life we are currently living. Man, doesn't that sound exciting? That excites me. Here's a second thing that we see in this definition of encouragement. We are to comfort one another. Comforting the hurting. Listen to what it says in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Man, I love that. Encourage the, the, those who are disheartened. I think probably all of us know what it means to be disheartened, to be discouraged, to be hurting, to feel weak. I have. It happens in my life just like it happens in your life. And I need brothers and sisters who will encourage me by comforting me. Now, how do we do that? Let me just mention three ways that we do that. Number one, <clears throat> we use the Bible. We use the scriptures. I've always, I, I, I've always loved the word of God. I can remember the first moment I received Jesus, God gave me a love for the Bible. I cannot read the Bible without my heart beating faster. There's so much there for me. God always speaks to me through it. I always hear something that I need to hear in that moment. And I just read it, and it's like these are just waves of refreshment coming, across, coming through my soul. Uh, many years ago, I went through the hardest stage of my life to this point. And I was really struggling. I was disheartened. I was weak. And I went to the scriptures, I went to the Bible, and I began to read, and I read huge chunks of the Bible each and every day, and with a pad and, and, and paper next to me, now I'd use a computer, I would write verses down where God just said, wow, be encouraged. Let me strengthen your heart. Let me give you endurance. Let me remind you that you're my child. And I created this long list of verses. And I began to memorize them. So when that wave of discouragement each day started to flow over me, I would speak against it in the power of the word of God. Friends, there is power in the words of the Bible. It's God's very word for you and for me. It speaks to us. It changes us. It, it sets us free. In fact, what I ended up doing was putting a lot of those verses into a booklet that um, we make available here, but um, I always had at my last church, 
and it was Bible verses pertaining to discouragement. And I then created others along those lines. They're just Bible verses. And boy, do they go fast because people want to be encouraged by the Word of God. And so one of the ways that we encourage one another is by reminding each other of what the Bible teaches. Reminding each other what the Bible says so that people, when they're disheartened, when they're feeling weak, when they're feeling broken, when they're, they just don't think they can, they can continue on, we can share that truth with them and that truth speaks deep into their hearts. This last year was a difficult year for our world. And there was a study that was done by the American Bible Study in conjunction with Harvard University. This, this is brand new. They, it was such a time of hopelessness that they began, they found a way to measure by number the amount of hope that people had in their life. Here's what they found. This is, this is staggering. On a scale of 100, uh, 1 to 100, with 100 being the most hopeful, Americans who report reading the Bible three or four times per year scored a 42. People, this is in the past year with the pandemic, people who read the, read, month, read the Bible monthly scored 59. Those who read the Bible weekly scored 66. Those who read the Bible multiple times a week scored 75. Think about that. Power in the Word of God to bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. Now sometimes, friends, we need brothers and sisters in Christ who will remind us of these words, who will share these words with us. We need to know these words so that we can come alongside each other and say, hey, I know you're feeling discouraged right now. Let me encourage you with God's truth. Let me help you with God's truth. A second way that we do that is by making a personal contact with people. Just standing with them. Making a phone call, sending a note, standing with them. I see you, it says. I care about you, it says. When was the last time you just picked up the phone and called somebody who was struggling just to encourage them? Or sent a note to someone who was hurting just to encourage them? I remember a pastor um, who, was, who visited a, a woman whose husband had passed away. The loss was profound. And they had a gathering at her house following the funeral. And the pastor was there and, and, and she looked at him and said, can we just take a walk? I'm overwhelmed right now. They went out and they just walked around a loop all around the neighborhood. He said he never said a word and she never said a word came back to the house. A few days later, he received a note that said, I can't tell you how much you helped me. He was just there. That was it. He was just physically present to say, I care about you. And it encouraged her, and it lifted her spirit, and it lifted her heart. In 1997, a sixth grade teacher wrote in one of her students' report card, quote, it's been a joy to have you in class. Keep up the good work. Invite me to your Harvard graduation. Sixth grade. 21 years later, this student graduated with a doctorate from Harvard University. 
she invited the sixth grade teacher to her graduation. Listen to what she said. She said about this teacher, she lit a fire in me. Have you ever had anybody light a fire in you? To give you a picture of your future that was beyond anything you ever dreamed before? That said, I believe in you? I believe in what God can do in your life? Do you know how empowering that is? Parents, I want to say this to you in this moment. Grandparents, are you empowering or disempowering your children and grandchildren? Oh, no, you can't do that. I read an article recently where Paul McCartney was told by a teacher that he had as he was trying out for the choir that he would, his voice wasn't good. He would never amount to anything in the musical industry. Paul McCartney of the Beatles. John Lennon had a father who said, you can, you're never going to go anywhere with this music thing. And yet he did. But how many dreams are squashed because parents say, ah, you can't do that. You'll never do that. Encouragement is becoming all that God has created us to be. We need to empower one another. A third area is just looking for practical ways to serve a person who is hurting. That's encouragement. Somebody has lost a spouse, and they have young children, and just say, hey, can I take your children for the afternoon? Can I take them and just be with them today? How can I encourage you? How can I help you? Somebody loses their job in the midst of the pandemic. How can I come alongside and in a practical way just serve you? I want you to hear this. This was one of my favorite TED Talks. And TED Talks are just these, I, I won't explain it, but it's, uh, um, Google it. But John Sutherland, who's an officer in the London Police Department, did a TED Talk once where he talked about low cards exchange principle. Here it is. He's a forensic policeman. And he, what he talks about is the fact that every crime scene, everywhere you go, through your skin, through um, your hair, through um, just through who you are, you leave evidence that you were there. But then he says this, listen to this. Every time two people come into contact with one another, an exchange takes place. Whether between lifelong friends or passing strangers, we encourage, we ignore. We hold out a hand or we withdraw it. We walk towards or we walk away. We bless or we curse. And every single contact leaves a trace. We uh, uh, the way that we treat one another, the way we regard one another matters. It really matters. Think about that. Every time you have a contact, you are leaving a trace. What is it that you're leaving? How are you impacting the people that you come across at school or at work? What impact are you making? You leave, not your, just your DNA, you leave an impact by the way that you respond to them, by the way that you treat them. And God says we are to encourage and empower and strengthen and comfort and challenge one another. And in that way, we lift each other to become more than we ever believed we could be. And then third, encouragement is lived out by strengthening one another in the face of adversity. 
Listen to this verse. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now, Joshua is facing adversity. And apparently, he's not willing to move forward. He's going to quit because he lacks the courage and the strength to move forward. He's following Moses. And it says, and God says to him, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give their ancestors. Friends, I want you to hear this. What God is doing in this moment is encouraging Joshua. Joshua, I have called you to do this. Therefore, all you have to do is go forward. I will do the rest. I, yes, you're right, Joshua. You can't do it. But I am with you. And in me and through me, you will accomplish this. It will happen. You will be victorious. Not because of your strength. Not because of your wisdom. Not because of your greatness. But because I am the great God. And I will do it. Friends, there are times when we are in the midst of adversity, in a difficult circumstance, and we need people who are going to come alongside us and strengthen us and encourage us and empower us not to give up on what God has called us to do and God has called us to be. In this last year, tragically, we have seen many pastors leave ministry, full-time ministry, this has been a difficult year for leaders. And a lot of leaders just couldn't go on. They needed people who would come alongside them and encourage them to look to the Lord. People who would stand with them and say, I will be with you. I will be with you. More importantly, God is with you. The junior high student who's being encouraged to be dishonest on a, on a test is being empowered by her parents to say, no, no, I won't live that way. The high school boy who is being encour encouraged by his friends to do things he knows he shouldn't do faces the adversity of being rejected by his friends unless he follows their example. And he is encouraged and empowered by his brothers and sisters in faith, by his church, to say, no, I'm willing to be rejected if it means faithfulness to Jesus. The worker who is encouraged by his bosses to do something that's illegal and risking losing their job says, no. No. With the encouragement I receive from God's people, with the encouragement I receive through the Spirit and the Word of God, I am going to stand, I am going to be sober and alert, I am going to be a person of the day. Amen? Not a person of the night.
I want to close with this picture of, of encouragement. I don't know if I've shared it with you before, but um, my dad has had, a, obviously, a huge impact on my life. He's still living. He's 93. And I, he's asked me many years ago, he asked me to do his service when he passes away. So I've been thinking about that over the years and what I want to say about my dad. And I want to tell you a story that I'm going to share at his service. I was on the junior high track team. I wasn't fast enough to be a sprinter. I couldn't jump high enough to be a high jumper or a, um, what's a person who jumps over the, uh, that's what I said, hurdlers. I'm so glad you're here to encourage me. <laughs> I, I wasn't strong enough to be a pole vaulter or a, or a discus thrower um, or a shot putter. So the only thing left to me was the long distance run. They called it the 1320, three laps around the track, the longest race that we had. This is really where they threw all the people they didn't know where else to put them. Now, we had a couple guys that were really good runners, but then there were the rest of us. Okay, I, in seventh and eighth grade, I was on the track team. We had a seventh, eighth, ninth grade uh, junior, uh, junior high school. And so, seventh, eighth grade, I was on the track team, never took a first, second, or a third. And first track meet of the year in ninth grade, they take off, we take off, and I fall into my normal spot with the second pack. You got the first pack over here, I'm the second pack. And I'm just running with these guys, and, and um, all of a sudden, one after another started falling out of the race until I was the only one left in the second pack. The first pack crosses, as they're starting the third la last lap, they cross the finish line to go around one more lap, and the cheerleaders run out and they put the, um, the little ribbon across that the winner gets to run and break through. I've never broken a tape before. So I start sprinting. Now, you wouldn't have called it sprinting, but I was sprinting. And all of a sudden, somebody yells, because here I come, and the girls scream and they drop the ribbon. I didn't get to break it. I ran as fast as I could those 50 yards. I had a whole lap left. So I went around, finished last. Um, then it's the second meet. Second meet, I get on the line and I look up in the stands and there's my dad. He's going to watch his ninth grade son who's lousy, who's terrible, who's never taken a first, second, and third. He's, he's brought one of his clients because he doesn't want to miss my track meet. And they're having a meeting. I can still picture him in the stands standing up. They're having a meeting so that he doesn't miss his, sixth, his ninth grade son who's really lousy at this race. And so I'm standing on the line and something clicked at me. I thought, okay, for one lap, I'm going to give my dad something to cheer about. Because it struck me, he's always there cheering me on. And so the gun goes off, and I am running as fast as I can. I run the first lap. It's the fastest 400-meter time I've ever had, and I'm in first place. This is uncharted territory. All of a sudden, some of my friends or my friends on the track team start running on the inside of the track. Don, you could do this. You could do this. You could really do this. And I thought, wow, maybe I can do this. So I ran really hard in the second lap. 
fastest 400 meter time I had had because they're calling out the times. And I'm, and I'm running as fast as I can and I'm coming around and I can hear my friends cheering for me. My dad, I think they stopped their meeting and his jaw's out and there's about 50 yards to go when this guy passes me like I'm running in sand. And he comes in first place, but I came in second. And I had, I had trimmed about 45 seconds off my best time. Now, here's my question for you. Did I just get faster? Of course not. Uh, I wasn't any faster. I didn't have any more endurance than I ever had. Here's what happened. I had people who empowered me to be the runner that was always in me that I didn't know I could be. Right? Now, friends, I want you to take that picture. How can you stand in somebody's life and empower them by be, to become everything that God has created them to be? That's encouragement. Would you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for the power of your word that just encourages and transforms and changes. Lord, I am just so blessed as I think about that story of my dad, of somebody who stood in my life because they loved me, because they loved me. And those, those friends that ran alongside me it just kept telling me I could do this. Lord, I thank you for all those people in my life who have been like that in my faith, who have run alongside me at times I needed to be encouraged, who have called out of me things I never thought I could do, things I never thought I could be. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. May we be that kind of community. In Jesus' name, amen.